Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the WRAL Daily Download. I'm your host, Amanda Lamb. In today's deep dive conversation with WRAL's climate change reporter, Liz McLaughlin, and meteorologist Kat Campbell, we're talking about how a warming climate can impact hurricanes, specifically how we may see more impact, not just on the coast, but further inland. Basically, with climate change, extreme weather is getting even more extreme. We're going to start with Kat. Kat, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Amanda. So before we get into this topic, tell us again, just reset here. When is hurricane season and when are we at the highest risk for storms? And what are the predictions for this year? Well, hurricane season starts on June 1st, so it's just around the corner. And the peak of hurricane season is typically as we get into September. That's the peak. But really, anywhere from August to September in that two-month window is when we see the most tropical activity in the Atlantic. This year, forecasters are predicting a near or slightly below normal hurricane season. And I've been diving a little bit more into the data, and I'm thinking we will see a near normal hurricane season this year. And that's coming off of a few years in a row now, three years in a row of above normal activity. Well, that's good news, especially for people who want to spend time at the coast. So literally, what's going on with climate change and hurricanes? I mean, can you break down the science for us in layman's terms so we can kind of better understand why this warming trend can create more rainfall and, you know, the potential for more serious storms? Rainfall is the big issue locally in North Carolina when it comes to hurricanes. I'm not saying that wind doesn't cause damage, of course, but for us, especially with the inland flooding and our waterways that we have inland, we've seen rainfall be the big issue even just in the past five to 10 years when we had Matthew and Florence. So having more rain in these hurricanes is really a big issue. And the reason why we would expect to see more rain in hurricanes is that when the air is warmer, and of course, that's what happens with climate change. You've got warmer air and that creates more water vapor in the air. And another issue that we have is the big pressure difference between the poles. That's smaller and that creates a setup where we can see some of these stronger storms that move slower and dump even more rain in the area. I will say this, you know, one of the things that we're concerned about is that the hurricanes would be more intense moving forward in a warmer climate. We're not necessarily, there hasn't been clear data that shows that there would necessarily be more hurricanes. The issue is just that the ones that we do see would be more intense hurricanes. Yeah, and the slowing down, I mean, that's a big concern. I know that happened during Florence, and we just got so much rain. And, of course, that increases the potential for damage, for flooding. Um, but you also mentioned winds. So talk about these winds coming inland and, and how that could affect us. You know, right now, typically when you see a hurricane, you you think of the news coverage and you see uh, the coast just getting battered by storms, the palm trees blowing around, uh, you know, roofs blowing off, 
houses falling apart, that's usually limited to the coast. And I'm not saying that we're necessarily going to see these storms hold together with 100 plus mile per hour winds as far inland as Raleigh, but we could see stronger winds, even hurricane force winds, if these storms do hold together. Right now, typically, we see hurricanes weaken and tropical storm force winds by the time they get here. But what we've seen in studies, it slows down by only about 10 percent in 75 years and only loses half of its intensity now in the first 24 hours over land. So it's really holding together these storms better in a warmer climate. So bottom line, you really can't disconnect climate change from forecasting hurricanes and looking at what hurricanes can do here in North Carolina. Oh, absolutely not. With more rain in the forecast due to the warmer air and more water vapor around, that's, of course, inland flooding going to be an issue. But another thing, just generally speaking, for all of the coast of the U.S. and other coastal areas, When you've got a warmer atmosphere, you've got warmer ocean waters, and warm waters just feed these hurricanes. That's what hurricanes need to strengthen, and that's only going to make both the wind stronger and likely the rain heavier. So all of this, unfortunately, working together in a very negative way and a concerning way for North Carolina moving forward. Kat, thank you so much for explaining the science behind this trend. We are going to be back after the break with WRAL's Liz McLaughlin, who talked to a UNC researcher about what this all means for North Carolina. Welcome back to the WREL Daily Download. I'm talking with WREL climate change reporter Liz McLaughlin about how warming temperatures could have a big impact on property owners in our state, especially when it comes to flooding. Liz, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. So you spoke to a researcher at UNC who says twice as many properties are now at risk in the 100-year floodplain. 30 counties expecting a 20% increase in flood risk in the next decade. What is going on? So it's actually even more than that, at least 20% risk. Uh, So some are as much, uh, Washington County, for instance, as much as 600% increase. And there's a few reasons for this. Of course, climate change is a factor. And FEMA's maps are decades outdated, according to some researchers. They're not really considering a lot of those factors, rising uh, sea levels, and all of those scientific factors that are changing storms that Kat talked about. Uh, That's really changing things. And something we might not have thought about, development, changing landscape, changing land use. Before, if a storm blew in and it was a big open space, one, that ground could absorb some of that water and there's no people or place, you know, property there to be damaged or harmed. So uh, this growth, this development, and much of that in high-risk areas uh, is really changing the way risk looks in our state. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because you think, you know, if a house is in a floodplain, it gets destroyed. It won't be rebuilt. A lot of FEMA money has gone to these areas, these high-risk areas. But there's still some rebuilding in these areas. Do we know why that's happening? Not even rebuilding. We're talking new development. Uh, Miyuki Hino, a UNC researcher, looked into this specifically. And for every buyout that takes a residence out of that 100-year floodplain, 
10 more are being built, which is just a drop in the bucket when you're trying to mitigate flood risk and keep people safe. There's a few reasons for that. Uh, One, affordable housing. It's hard to find and it's cheaper where it's riskier to build. Um, And FEMA is incentivizing some of those flood management tactics, those buyouts, uh, you know, some new building codes are happening that are making it more resilient. But at the end of the day, a lot of the people doing this zoning, uh, they're politicians. They don't want to be seen as stopping growth. They need to think about the tax you know, base in their area. But there can be a middle ground here where we can be strategic, careful, still, you know, encourage that development, that growth in our state without putting more people at risk. Putting it, doing it in a responsible way. So, and you kind of just touched on this, but who is responsible for making these choices? I mean, is it local governments? And are any of these local governments limiting building and floodplains? Right now, it seems to be that way. It's mostly local municipalities. Uh, Raleigh and Cary have both restricted new building in the floodplain, uh, which is a good start. But there's a lot more talk now about federal responsibility for this because it's not just about safety anymore. It's not just about the environment. This is also an economic issue. The amount of billion-dollar disasters uh, has increased fivefold over the past decade. So it's not just because those storms are getting more intense, but they are. They're more damaging. There's also more people, more property in the way of those destructive storms. So I heard that Raleigh and Cary are two municipalities who've made some changes when it comes to the floodplains. What are they doing? So uh, they are actually restricting any new builds there, which a lot of other counties aren't doing, but are starting to come on board. And uh, one cool thing that we're seeing that before this year, you weren't able to get uh, flood history. It wasn't a requirement for that to be disclosed for home buyers. And in a lot of cases, that's hard to find or track, especially if they didn't receive federal funding. So this is really important information for potential home buyers, even if it's not in the floodplain, even if flood insurance isn't required. If it's flooded before, it's probably going to flood again. They should know about that. And that is from the North Carolina Real Estate Commission changing that information. It's a new regulation, correct? Right. Um, it's actually a response to a petition last year. A number of groups said this should be part of the disclosure. Um, because if we think about it, this happens so much um, with many of the impacts of climate change. It it disproportionately affects the people that can least afford it. We're talking about vulnerable populations, people that have dreamed of having their, uh, of buying a home, and then they don't know that they're buying it in a floodplain. They can't afford to fix it. It's just really heartbreaking story after heartbreaking story. And we know a lot of people are still recovering from Florence and Matthew. They still haven't gotten the help they need. I mean, we had a documentary about that here at WRAL. And so it it, it is heartbreaking. You don't want people to get into that situation in the future. I just spoke with someone um, with an organization that helps that rebuilding in Carteret County, and they still have 150 open cases from Florence. That's amazing. That's unbelievable. So bottom line, people need to really pay attention to where they're building or buying a home. And there's a few places, again, a lot of people say FEMA's 100-year floodplain is decades out of date. But other researchers are starting to do modeling. If you go to our website, we're going to have a few different resources so you can compare and see those different models. You can put in your address. Um, But it is something that researchers say is hard to track because it's ever changing. And it depends on our greenhouse gas emissions, depends on, you know, you could have a, a home and someone builds something next door that directs water to you. So there's there's a lot of factors going on here. And it is connected to climate change. Correct. Um, Most researchers that I've talked to say that's absolutely 
And the thing is, it's getting worse. So the flood risk is changing because of climate change, because of a lot of different factors, and not just the sea level rising, but actually the land is also sinking. So we have to think of a lot of things as we move forward. Well, Liz, thank you so much for breaking this down for us. Hopefully this is something that people, especially home builders and home buyers, are going to be paying more attention to going forward as we continue to feel the growing impact of climate change. And thank you for listening to the WREL Daily Download and making us part of your morning routine. If you like what you're hearing, please rate us on Apple Podcasts or on whatever podcast app you use. Another great way to get WREL news is the Morning Briefing Newsletter. It's a daily email waiting in your inbox every morning with triangle news events and headlines to get you ready for the day. Sign up at WREL.com backslash newsletter.